This is the Football Friday Tailgate Podcast, hosted by Dan Long. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the NFL Draft edition of the Football Friday Tailgate Podcast. I am your host, Dan Mullen. Thank you again for joining us. I know we took a little bit of a hiatus there in the offseason, but I'm glad you stuck with us and you're ready to tune in and join us for another action-packed year on the podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little (laughs) sick of the coverage for the draft. Just let's get it done already. Back in the good old days, they used to do it in April about a month ago or a few weeks ago. And I don't know why they're pushing it back. I guess it's for ratings and advertising reasons or whatever, whatever they're claiming. And then there's a story that comes out, Goodell wants to push it back another two weeks. I get the NFL, they want to stay relevant for the whole year, but people are into either the NHL playoffs or the start of the baseball season, um, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. April, it would have been, April's a perfect time to have the draft. You're just getting done the March Madness tournament. Baseball really hasn't gotten started. The playoffs haven't really gotten started. So the NFL draft was perfect. I remember back in college getting up on a Saturday morning. You'd have, you'd be laying in bed probably after, you know, being out all night the night before. But then you get up bright and early, get ready for the draft. You could even watch it in bed or on your couch. And it became like an all day event. You'd have the first, second, and maybe third round, I think, on the first day. And those are the rounds that anybody cares about. Nobody really cares about after the third round. And most people don't even care about the third round. So I used to love doing that. I thought it was great. Then they moved it. So, okay, we got to get it in prime time. All right, let's get the first round in prime time. Okay, I'm, I'm following you so far. We'll make it three days. Really, the first round is the most important one. That's kind of neat. You're, you know, you want to find out who your team is going to draft. So, okay, I feel you. Now, okay, we want to go to four days. It's just, oh, man, it's just getting out of control. So we're still kind of in the three-day window here, but they just want to keep stretching this out more and more. And I just don't know if people are going to keep going along with this. And Mark Cuban had those great comments a few weeks ago or about a month ago, and people kind of ripped him a little bit. And basically he said that the NFL – is killing the golden goose for all intents and purposes. And because they're trying to add extra games and they're diluting their product. And maybe we're not to the point of full dilution yet. I still will watch a Thursday night game and a Sunday night game, but of course I'm a big football fan. I don't know if the average American wants to be watching Thursday night games, especially when the quality of play is so poor, like it's been the last few years. I mean, you watch these Thursday night games, it doesn't even feel like a real NFL game. And they're so sloppy and the scoring is is not there. And they're just not the NFL product that you're used to on Sunday and Monday night. So the NFL, now they want to do Thursday night, Friday. Do we find a way to do it more in the middle of the week? They're moving the Thursday night games, I guess, to, was it CBS? So they're going to open up their audience. They'll probably get good ratings. I mean, right now their ratings, they do better than regular uh, TV programming. They, they consistently have the highest rated shows year in and year out, beating, you know, primetime shows that, that just about everybody watches. So the ratings are there. The advertising money's there. The interest is there. But at some point, you dilute your product to a point where people just don't want it anymore. And the NFL needs to be careful about that. I mean, Roger Goodell, I know he takes his marching orders from the owners of the teams. 
So he he's, he's plays the boogeyman perfectly. Everybody blames him when really it's he's just speaking on behalf of the owners. But these owners or Goodell or whoever it is, they really need to be careful because Major League Baseball was in a similar situation. And baseball and football are different sports. The viewing audience wants more action-packed sports right now. And that's why the baseball is not adapted. Baseball, Nationals pastime at one point, is now fallen so far i mean they used to just be they used to be the the number one sport in greater boston so i'm in a town where baseball is still you know kind of 1a sport to probably football although it used to be heads and shoulders above football and any other sport but you've got the nhl with the bruins have closed the gap the patriots have definitely passed them in terms of popularity baseball just hasn't adapted I mean, the way they dro- drag their feet with the instant replay and they still can't get it right. The length of these games, nobody wants to sit around for four hours on a cold April day and watch a stupid baseball game. We'll give you maybe three hours, okay? And even that's pushing it. But you got these baseball guys still adjusting themselves. Put a goddamn shot clock out there and make the pitcher throw the ball. And and you can't step out of the plate. You step out of the batter's box anymore. Get the heck in there. Keep it going. Keep it moving. There's nothing worse than being at one of these April games, and it is so slow. I can hardly even watch it on TV. I mean, that's probably a I'm probably a victim of my own short attention span. But I'm not the only one. I mean, the, the millennial generation now they're in the same boat, and they are just hemorrhaging viewership. And you look at the little leagues, they don't get the, the same number of people that they used to get back in the 80s and the 90s. It's just on a downward downward trend for the sport. And they really need to figure out a way to grab that younger audience or else they're going to go the way of boxing or one of these other fringe sports. Brings us back to football. Football has gotten that arrogance that baseball had. And they think that they can keep putting the product out there, keep, you know, they want to expand the season, make it 18 games. Let's let's move a team to London because we get international exposure. And I'm not totally against that. If you've listened to the podcast before, I think some of these ideas are actually great. I mean, you want to broaden the, the appeal of the sport. The NFL is one of the few American sports that doesn't have really an international following other than maybe some German and you know, people in the UK that might follow the sport. They just don't have a true international following. You look at what the Premier League has done. They've really kind of made their way into the American markets. So people are following Premier League soccer or football, however you want to refer to it. The NBA has an international following. They're taking over in China and other huge places. So that keeps them really financially viable. The NHL has obviously a following in Canada and Europe because of the number of European players they have and Canadian players in the league. I mean, there's more of them than there are Americans. So all these other sports have really gotten into these international markets, and the NFL would be well-served to try and do that, but not by diluting the product and not by going against what the fans want. And the fans do not want you to keep pushing the draft back until June or the end of May. You're you're hurting the rookies, number one, because they're, you're not having that time to have them go through these mini camps and, and get the time to really figure out if they're going to be viable players on the rosters. So that's a huge minus. And it, you're just dragging out this offseason just for the sake of your own stroking your own ego to say oh well hey i mean 
let's be honest. The reason they're doing the draft tomorrow night is they want to go up against the playoffs. They want to go up against hockey. They want to go up against basketball. And they want to kind of thumb their nose at them and say, you know what? We're better than you. We're, we're going to get, we're going to get better ratings in your stupid playoff game. And they very well might. I personally, um, we'll probably watch a little of the draft, but I'm also going to try and watch the Bruins game and maybe I'll flip over to basketball. Although I think that'd probably be third on the depth chart in terms of viewership. It's, it's just an arrogance that's permeating from the NFL. And you also see it too with, they're talking about doing like Friday night games they're considering or Saturday night games. There's been this unwritten rule that the NFL does not interfere with college football and high school football. These are where the players come from. Granted, they're just amateur athletes. High school football is just, you know, us, us uh, glory days guys uh, living out our glory on the on the football field, trying to impress everyone in our high school. But that's part of growing up, and that's part of the culture of football. And to try and... <laughs> jump in there and steal the thunder from high school teams and, and their audience for those those games. And then even more so college football, because college football has a huge following. There's plenty of football and there's plenty of other times and you're making cash hand over foot. You're not paying these cheerleaders anything, which is great. I don't know if you've read those stories about these cheerleaders that are suing now because they only get paid 50 bucks a game and they have to do all this free stuff and appearances that they don't get paid for, which that's a whole other labor issue. And I think cheerleaders get screwed by these teams. It, it, the teams are hilarious. They they will screw over their fans. They'll screw over their lower level employees, but you know, they just want to keep printing out money left and right for the ownership and whatnot. Bob Kraft had a, th- I mean, I love, love Bob Kraft. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about him, but now he's knocking out a whole section of the, the stadium, Gillette stadium, so that he can put in this little luxury, lounge area and the end zone as if the stadium wasn't quiet enough you know because they don't block off one whole end zone and let all the sound get out now we're going to put a bunch of wine and cheese people in the other end zone who are not even paying attention to the game and are too busy talking about their stock portfolios and you know how the wine tastes so that that's a great experience and then the people that are getting displaced well guess what they're getting they're getting free parking for the year they're going to get free parking how's how's that for a nice uh a nice award for giving up your seats, giving up these great seats that you have at the game. Oh, we'll give you free parking for the rest of the season, and then we'll just we'll move you over to some other crappy seats, or or put you first on the uh, waiting list, or whatever they're going to do. That's that's great way to treat your fans, but it's just an example of just the the view of the fans, and the NFL is getting close to that tipping point. We'll see if it gets there. But I think uh, the NFL would be really well served to take a step back, maybe humble themselves a little bit. They're in a good place right now, and let's not kill the golden goose because you're treading very lightly. And I would listen to what Mark Cuban has to say because love him or hate him, the guy knows business and he can see a product that is going down a wrong path. We'll see if they heed those words. So... Let's get to some fun topics. One of the first things I wanted to bring up, this is a little theory that I've had for a while, and this is kind of one of these wacky, nerdy little things that I think about when I think about football, because I try and think about football from different angles. First off, let me just, before we get in any further, I just want you to let everyone know that's listening, there is not going to be a mock draft in this podcast. I repeat, there is no mock draft, okay? 
you, if you wanted to hear a mock draft, you could find another podcast or you could go online to any of the sports websites. They have mock draft after mock draft, volume seven, version eight, version nine. They've done it a million times. It's stale. It's boring. It's dumb. It's the same crap rehashed over and over again. If you've read a few of them, you've read enough. You know who the names are. You know who the players are. Half of these guys, most of us haven't watched all that much. Maybe you saw highlights of them. Maybe he's got a funny name like Haha Clinton Dix or one of these or Austin Safarian Jenkins. But let's be honest, that's just stale. I'm not going to go there. I am going to give some of my predictions in our tailgate 12 pack. I'm going to give you 12 predictions that I have for the draft. But before we get to that, I wanted to give you my little nerd theory, and that's if you've seen the Da Vinci Code, you know about the Fibonacci number, or if you're math number guy or girl, you've, you've probably heard of Fibonacci. And basically what Fibonacci is, and I think it was da-, da Vinci that came up with this, was this system of numbers, number sequence where these numbers, the sequence of numbers showed up a lot in nature and in other things. So it was kind of this unique system. And basically it started off with the number one. And, and the way it works is you add the, the two previous numbers together. So 1 plus 0 is 1. So you go 1, 1. Then 1 plus 1 is 2, so it's 1, 1, 2. Then 1 plus 2 is 3, so it's 1, 1, 2, 3. 2 plus 3 is 5. 1, 1, 2, 3, 5. So you get the picture. So it's 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13. And if you've ever seen like a, a shell, they call it the golden shell, you can draw arches in in a, in each box that's that number and it basically makes this whole shell. Google it if you want, you'll know what I'm talking about, just Google Fibonacci number. It's really interesting and it and it appears in a lot of places in nature. Well, here's my theory. My theory is that the NFL draft or at least the way we view the players plays out in sort of a Fibonacci pattern. And let me explain. The way we group the players that are going to get drafted, we we put them into different little categories. And each year, there's usually that one consensus or two consensus players that are the top picks as you get closer to the draft. And then there's kind of other little subgroups as you move up. So you wonder, why is it takes so many picks to move up to the first pick in the draft? Why, and if you saw that draft movie, which I'll talk about here in a moment, that NFL draft Kevin Costner movie, he gave up, what, three first-round picks or whatever to move up, and while unrealistic, the the point of the matter is, is it takes a lot to get to that point, and the reason being is there's more value in that first pick than, you know, there's double the value of any other pick that's in that first pick, just because you know that you are getting the number one pick that you want. So that's where the value comes. So when you look at that value chart that they used to have about how you move up in the draft... The further you drop down, the the less of a difference there is between players. So there's really that great difference between players in the first round, and that's kind of a Fibonacci pattern. So those numbers I gave you before, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, and then the next number after that is 21. But if you if you add up all those numbers together, the 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, you know what that adds up to? 33. 33, great number, Larry Bird. It's also basically one number higher than the number of players in the first round. So it's basically, if you if you did it as draft picks, it would basically be the first round plus the first pick in, in the second round. So that's an interesting way to think about it. The Fibonacci sequence represents that whole first round, and you can really quantify it that way. And when you further dissect it, it really actually starts to make sense. So bear with me for a second here. 
Number one, okay, the number one here, Jadavian Clowney. And as I'll tell you later, he's the consensus number one pick. He's going to get picked first, whether it's by the Texans or someone else moves into that spot. So he's number one. Then there's another number one. So another person that stands head and shoulders above everyone else. And I would argue that that is Robinson, the offensive tackle who the uh, Greg Robinson is his name. And he is by all measurements expected to be like a hall of fame talent. I mean, he's a big, huge dude. So you would think unless the Rams know something that we all don't know, or they really want like a Johnny Manziel or they want somebody else. Robinson is probably the consensus number two. Then we get into two players who are the next thing down. So I would argue that these are the stud category. These are the guys that are just special talents. They're not, maybe don't have the upside that Jadavian Clowney or Robinson have, but they are going to be stars right away. They're going to be studs. And those two guys are Khalil Mack and Watkins, the Sammy Watkins, the wide receiver from Clemson. So there we go. There's four players that 1A and 1B are above the top. And then there's two players who are really great. Then we go to the next, which is three players. So these are going to be future stars. I would argue that these are probably the offensive tackles that remain. Offensive tackle is one of the most valued positions in the league. You've seen that, heard of that movie, The Blind Side, uh, about uh, Orr there, Michael Orr. The left tackle is the, or the right tackle is the guy that protects the blind side of the quarterback and is probably the second most important player on any football team. So these guys get paid a lot and they're usually worth it if they're really good. So I would argue that that next group is probably those offensive tackles. And, you know, you scan the list of the mock drafts. You've got Taylor Lewin from Michigan. You have Jake Matthews from Texas A&M. And then you also have that kid, uh, Zach Martin from Notre Dame. Now, you could argue maybe, and I tried to simplify this by saying the offensive tackles, there's probably some other guys you could probably put in there ahead of some of those offensive tackles, um, but I think that that's a good demonstration of just a way to group them together. Number f- Then there's five. Those are potential stars. Then we start getting into the Johnny Manziels, the Mike Evans, Mosley perhaps uh, from Alabama, the linebacker. And then maybe the top cornerback, whoever you determine that to be, there's going to be probably be a run of those guys. So these are potential stars. These are guys that are going to be Pro Bowl talent and are going to be in high demand. The quarterback thing is kind of interesting because go back a year ago, if you listen to my podcast when I first started, all I was talking about was Teddy Bridgewater this, Teddy Bridgewater that, consensus first pick, he's going first. Well, they measured how tall he is. He's short or shorter than they thought. He had an awful pro day, unlike Johnny Manziel with his cargo shorts and (laughs) his little super uh, all-about-me pro day. Bridgewater's just fallen off the map. Manziel is the sexy pick. I don't even know if he's the best. People say Blake Bortles is probably the most QB-ready go in there. Uh, Carr's brother there, Derek Carr, he's another guy they talk about. You know, there's a few other guys like that that are going to probably go in the first round. So it's all a matter of who's your guy? Who do you think is going to be the one? I'm going to argue that it's Manziel. I think he's the flashy one, and I think a lot of these teams are going to be tempted to go with him. So we talked about five. Then there's the upside guys. There's eight of them. I talk more about kind of maybe the other cornerbacks, some other defensive players, maybe the tight ends, wide receivers. And then 13 is the rest. So those are the guys that are not going to necessarily be stars, but 
they may have some red flags, but they're still first round picks. There's a lot of defensive linemen. There's a few other wide receivers and cornerbacks in that mix as well. So interesting way to think about it. Um, just something to think about when you watch the draft. Think about how that Fibonacci plays in and see if see if there's something to it. One thing if you put in and the one way you can measure it is if you put those mock drafts together, you're gonna start to see some of the overlap of that Fibonacci. So just my little nerdy theory. Another way to look at the draft, other than just reading mock draft after mock draft and just being brain dead. Different way to think about it. Hope you enjoy that. So this leads me to my next topic, which is the NFL draft movie there with Kevin Costner. Draft Day, I think it's called, right? I, the fact that I can't remember the name of the movie probably gives it away what I'm going to say for a review. First off, I didn't plan on going to see this movie. I, I, like you, saw the previews and I thought right away, okay, this thing is dumb. I don't really need to see this, uh, this movie with Jennifer Garner and Kevin Costner. It just looks stupid. Then I read a few reviews and they were... Talk, oh, it's realistic, and, you know, it's not so bad. When somebody tells you something's not so bad, that should usually give you a clue that it's not that great. (laughs) Not as great as you'd like it to be. So I went in with an open mind. Normally, I'm really a movie snob, and I read all the reviews and make sure that it's not less than 80% on Rotten Tomatoes or one of those sites. But I went into this one. I tried to have a low expectation, and... uh, Good news is they met my low expectation. It was pretty um, average movie. It wasn't awful. It was it had moments of entertainment. The plot was not very plausible. If you were a football fan, you'll see right through it. It's very Hollywood. Um, the fact that Kevin Costner was boinking his capologist and knocked her up, and she's Jennifer Garner, so I think a lot of us would have no problem with that. But little unrealistic, the uh, politics of the team, the fact that they hired an intern the day of the draft who was clueless, but brings a little bit of comic relief because he's an awkward Jewish kid. So you can throw things at him and make him get into awkward situations. Uh, the kid actually was pretty entertaining, but completely unrealistic. You're not going to hire an intern on the first, you know draft day. And there's just all this stuff they're trying to cram into one day. And his father died and he was the patriarch of the team. And the mother wants to bury the ashes, you know, an hour before the draft starts. One of the most unrealistic things of all, right after they make their first round pick, they walk off like into the sunset, Jennifer Garner and Kevin Costner, like, like they're going to go home. Dude, you're still in the middle of the draft. <laughs> This this show isn't over yet, so that was kind of funny that the Hollywood ending of the the whole thing. And I know there's going to be a little bit of spoiler, but I'll tell you, they basically trade away three first round picks and something else to get the first pick. But then he has a change of heart, and then they get the guys that they really should have should have gotten. Um, somehow they realize the guy, the first pick overall, is a tool, and nobody likes him, and he's a bad leader. So they change their mind. I don't know why you would make that trade before having done vetted this guy, like why you would trade all those guys. So Kevin Costner actually proved to the audience that he is an awful general manager and basically is completely incompetent and should lose his job. But we're supposed to feel sorry for him because he's under all this pressure to, you know, get the Cleveland Browns of all teams uh, out of the gutter. So completely unrealistic. It was mildly entertaining. If it's on Netflix and you're half in the bag, hey, throw it on. But uh, the regular NFL draft, while nerdier and not as Hollywood ending exciting, is probably a lot more interesting if you're a football fan. So I got to give it to 
I'll give it one half thumb up out of two thumbs. Okay, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't uh, go out of your way to see it. I'm sure by now it's out of the theaters. Nobody really wants to see it. Um, but uh, if it's on Netflix, I don't know. You could do worse, I guess. All right, that leads me to my top 12 predictions for the draft. Um, like I said, I'm not going to be mock draft guy here. I'm not going to be bugging you and bombarding you with that. But um, I've got 12 predictions and then also some questions uh, from the audience that I wanted to uh, touch on before the end. Um, but let's start with the 12 predictions with our tailgate 12 pack. All right, the number one prediction, this is a no-brainer. Clowney is number one, no doubt. He's getting picked first, whether it's by the Texans or whoever pick, uh, jumps up to pick him. It's Clowney. It's always been Clowney. All the other smoke screens and whatnot, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be Clowney. Number two, Teddy Bridgewater will drop, but he's not going to totally drop out of the first round. Um, I think my prediction on this is that some team – He's probably going to dra- drop to the 20s. Some team is going to be desperate that's in, high in the second round, and they're going to move up to the late second round, and or late first round, I should say, and snag Teddy Bridgewater to be their QB of the future. Number three, the Browns will pick a quarterback in the first round, but it will not be with their first pick. It will not be Johnny Manziel. They will take a quarterback with their second pick later in the draft and pick the best player available. Um... It could be Sammy Watkins, or it could be um, Mac if he's there. There's a few other players, maybe even an offensive tackle. But I just don't think they're going to take Manziel. It's too much of a risk. But, hey, you never know. Cleveland, they want to make a splash. Um, I think they could do just as well getting a quarterback late in the first round. So I would go with a different pick on that first pick. Number four, the Chiefs are picking in the middle of the first round, and they will be picking a wide receiver, and they're going to pick him early. Uh, maybe they'll even jump up if they have the guy that they want. But uh, as we saw last year, Dwayne Bowe just doesn't have it. He's lost whatever he had at one point. He was just almost non-existent at points. So the Chiefs really need to get that stud wide receiver, and in the middle of the first round is the perfect time to get him. There's a bunch of good wide receivers available in the first round. Um, just looking at a mock draft right now, they have, who do they have the Chiefs taking? This is the Mike Mayock draft. He has them taking Brandon Cooks out of Oregon State. So, speedy guy, that wouldn't be a bad way to go. There's going to be some other guys. There's Marquise Lee will be available probably at that point. Um, will Beckham drop? He's the wide receiver from LSU. Bunch of guys there in the middle of the first round that are going to be up for grabs. So, I think the Chiefs will take one of them. The Jets, number six, the Jets are going to take another of those wide receivers or possibly the tight end. I know Eric Ebron is going to be there uh, available possibly at that point if he falls far enough. Um, but then if he's not available, the Safarian Jenkins guy's there. Um, the guy from uh, Texas A&M, Amaro, he'll be available. So there's a few tight ends that could be there, but most likely they'll probably go with a wide receiver to, to pair up with their new acquisition, Mr. Eric Decker, and give Geno Smith or Michael Vick, whoever's a quarterback, some nice weapons to work with. So Jets are going to take a wide receiver or tight end. Actually, that was number five. This is number six. There will be four offensive tackles taken in the top ten. I mentioned their names before, but I think offensive tackle is a very offensive line-heavy draft. 
They're going to be up and down the first round, but there will be four studs that are going to go in the top 10 at offensive tackle. Number seven, if Watkins is there when Oakland picks, Oakland is taking him 1,000%. Watkins is like the prototypical Oakland guy. Flashy, fast. They love speed guys. They love wide receivers of that kind. They love playmakers. So if Watkins is there, I think there's no doubt in the world they are picking him. So that's my number seven prediction. Number eight, the Cowboys, I'm thinking, are going to go for a pass rusher. They, you know, the temptation is there to get a, a playmaker on offense. You know, they love that. But I really think you saw with DeMarcus Ware leaving and then just the way that their defense played last year, they've got to go defense and they've got to go pass rusher to, to pick up the slack that they lost with DeMarcus Ware. So I think no doubt they go with a defensive end or an outside linebacker, and that's who the Cowboys go with. Number nine, another NFC East team is going to go defense, and that's the Eagles. More likely than what the Cowboys are doing, I think they're going to go probably on the secondary side. So maybe they go with a cornerback, or maybe they go with a safety like Clinton Dix. (laughs) Never stops being funny. But they're going to go defense. They had similar problems. I mean, all these NFC East teams last year were just so porous on defense. I think any one of them would do well by upgrading on the defensive end. Maybe only the Giants would probably want to go back to offense so that they can give something for Eli if they're going to stick stick with him because Eli just struggled really, really badly in the second half of last year. Um, but in terms of the Eagles, they got to go defense. They go secondary. Let's uh, let's line up Clinton Dix. Number 10, the 49ers. They have a ton of picks in this draft. They are going to move up in the first round. They're slated to go at 30, but I could see them if some guy drops down in the 20s that they really like, they've got the ammunition to move up. They're going to move up. They're not going to hesitate. They already have a full team. They want to get a player that can crack the team and can make them better. So cornerback maybe that's available, uh, maybe a wide receiver even. If they see one of those guys that they want that they're targeting, they boom, they're going to move up to the mid-20s to get them. Number 11, The Jets will also move up if they can. I know I talked about them getting a wide receiver or tight end, but if they see their guy like Ebron, like I talked about the tight end, maybe they move up a few spots to get him. Maybe there's some other playmaker that they really like. Um, They will move up to get him. The secondary uh, prediction for the 11, we'll call this 11B. There will be no running backs, by the way, in the first round. Um, You probably are aware that running back is one of the most undervalued positions now in the league. They'll be lucky to have a running back go in the second round at this rate. The Jets will not be picking running back, but they will be moving up if they can, and they will probably take Ebron or a wide receiver. And my 12th and final prediction, this one's a layup. It's a gimme. It's so obvious, but the Patriots, they pick at 29. They are dropping out of 29. I could see a situation where if Bridgewater's still available or Bortles or, or maybe even Carr is still available, Somebody like the Vikings or the other teams that are picking early in the second round are just going to jump up and say, hey, I don't want to wait any longer. Let's throw them an extra third or second round pick or whatever, and let's go get our guy. And that's going to happen. There's nobody at 29 the Patriots are going to say is worth picking if they can move back a few spots and and pick up that extra pick. I think it's the biggest no-brainer in the history of Earth. The Patriots will, will move back if they have that opportunity. So that's the tailgate 12-pack. Those are my 12 predictions for the NFL draft. Now some viewer questions. Question number one, 
uh, obviously from a Chiefs fan. What do the Chiefs need to do to get past the Patriots and the Broncos? Um, the answer to that is they need to get Peyton Manning and Tom Brady to retire. That's the number one move that they need to make. But barring that, <laughs> the Chiefs, as I said before, they need to get a wide receiver. They need to get um, some some deep threat playmakers on offense. Maybe an upgrade on defense. Maybe you get a safety. Barry is awesome, but you need somebody next to him that can play well. Maybe you find a pass rusher or somebody else that's a playmaker on on defense that can go along the, the great defensive lineman that you have. Um, but other than that, it's going to be tough to beat the Broncos. The Broncos may take a step back. You know, they lost Decker. They went through some changes. They picked up, obviously, where they picked up Aqib Tlaib. So they're going to be tough to beat in the NFC or the AFC West. And the Patriots, I think, are still going to be pretty good as well. So the Chiefs are, are right there. They're close. Probably a wild card again this year. But they need to get some other playmakers on their team that can stay healthy. That's another thing. They need to stay healthy and, and make plays for the Chiefs. Second question, where does Manziel go? Basically, I, I, I've seen a lot of people say the Browns, and then I've seen other things that say there's no way the Browns take him. Maybe that's a smokescreen. I think it's either he's definitely going to the Browns, or <laughs> I guess this is kind of a cop-out. He's either definitely going to the Browns, or he's definitely not going to the Browns. And I think they've already made that decision. Assuming that he's not going to the Browns, because that's what I've been saying all along, I'm going to stick with it. I think he probably goes to you know maybe Minnesota. Maybe the Rams, even if they um, they're picking, they have a second pick in the first round, so they maybe jump up and get him. Or if he falls to him, maybe they take him. I know that Sam Bradford. There's some uncertainty there, but I'll, I'll go with the Vikings. I'll say the Vikings will pick Manziel. I watch them uh, draft Blake Bortles, of course. Uh, third and final question from the audience: What team benefits the most from this year's draft? Um, there's three teams that jump out to me. I would say Cleveland is in the driver's seat of all teams. They've got the fourth pick and then the 26th pick, I believe. So they can wheel and deal. The Rams are right up there as well. They have the second and what's the other pick they have? 13. So actually, they're even better shape. Although, I don't know what the Rams. I just I think Cleveland is closer to competing if they get their quarterback. The Rams just have so much uncertainty to me. Those are probably the two teams in the driver's seat i think also you could expand that and go to the 49ers their roster is pretty much all set so they don't need a lot of help but if they jump up a few places really target the guys that they want i think they could be a, a real um, a real threat in this draft so i also like the niners so that's about it for this week's football friday tailgate podcast you've got the draft this weekend hope your team gets a player that you like or at least uh, even if you don't like them hopefully it works out for your team check in with us uh, regularly um, once the season starts we'll be every week but until then we'll have sporadic uh, sporadic podcasts follow us on at FFT podcast for updates or footballfridaytailgate.com you can also call our hotline 617-819-4FFT that's 617-819-4FFT that's our text or voicemail line until next time Enjoy the NFL draft this weekend and via con Dios, amigos. Yeah.